This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Nationwide, there are over 100,000 people on waiting lists for organ donations, and for some, time can simply run out. So why is there such a long list, and what can be done about it? Joining me with more on all of this is Rob Kochik. He's the executive director of the Finger Lakes Donor Recovery Network. Welcome, Rob. Thanks so much for coming in. Hi, Linda. Thanks for having us. So first, let's understand what your organization is, because I think it's important in the context of this whole discussion. What is exactly is the Finger Lakes Donor Recovery Network? Sure. Well, we recognize that our name doesn't necessarily always say exactly what we do. Um, so we serve as the organ procurement organization, if you will, um, and are truly the bridge between the patients that you mentioned who are on the waiting list and the patients who are in hospitals um, in our service area. Um, we um, provide, uh, we're one of 58 um, agencies throughout the country, so no matter where you live, there's an agency like ours. And we work with the hospitals in a 20 county area from basically Rochester to the least of here of Syracuse, up to St. Lawrence River, down to Elmira. And hospitals, um, are required by law, but no one really likes to do it by law, to notify us at or near the time of a patient that dies in the hospital. And then our staff are specially trained to go to the hospital to evaluate that patient to determine, first of all, whether or not that patient is a potential organ donor, because we never want to offer the opportunity for donation if the patient is not medically suitable. And then we um, check the registry to see if the patient may have already indicated and documented their wish to be a donor. If not, we then identify who legally is responsible for making the decision on that patient's behalf, all of which then is to, when, the fa when we have consent, to further evaluate the patient, to access the national list to see when our patients are the best match for the organs that may be available. And we actually also coordinate the surgical recovery of the, the donation of the organs. And then our job is done when the organs get safely delivered to the transplant center who is going to be transplanting the organs into the patient who is the best match. Well, it sounds like you play a very key role in procuring and making possible the, these basically these organ transplants. I mean, without your efforts and all of your work, obviously the organs would not be harvested properly and, and, and made available to those needy patients. But why do you see in your experience, why is there a shortage nationwide? What's contributing also to the growth of the need for organ transplants? Sure. Well, it's been 62 years since the first kidney transplant was done back in 1954 first liver transplant, or the first heart transplant in 1967, liver transplant soon after. And I think the waiting list is really somewhat due to the success of organ transplantation and the marvels that the transplant surgeons and the transplant teams literally perform um, at Upstate Medical University here in Syracuse and at Strong and literally all the other transplant centers in the country. So success um, in that means that more patients are potentially able to be helped through the benefit of a kidney, heart, lung, pancreas um, transplant. 
and yet I think we as a public are still a little reluctant to have the very important conversations about whether or not we would like to help someone else upon our death. None of us like to think about that. So hopefully in our conversation today, we're going to encourage your listeners to have a, have a conversation. And I don't think we all recognize what a gift it is to let our loved ones know that, yes, I would like to do that. I'm, I'm hoping to keep my organs for a long time. Um, we've changed our message over the last few years instead of become an organ donor today that no one really likes to think about to pass life on, live life to the fullest, oh, and help an others do the same. Oh, that's a very interesting change in message. I like that very much. But has, in your experience, has the increase in the amount of diabetes in this country, which I know causes kidney failure, um, also played a role in terms of the increased demand for certain organs? Sure. Um, the greatest need, greatest demand is for kidney transplants. And so you mentioned the, you know, more than 100,000 patients waiting for transplants. Locally, there's about 600 and some patients who literally are waking up this morning and saying, I wonder if today's the day that I'm going to get that phone call that I've been waiting for. And if we do our job right today, um, we hope to make some of those phone calls. But unfortunately, there's way too many families and patients who continue to wait for years. But of the 600 patients, about 400 of them are waiting for a kidney transplant. So kidneys are by far the ones that are the organs in most demand, as well as heart and pancreas, as well as sure. the other two? Heart transplant, liver transplant. So kidney transplants, the majority of patients are waiting for a kidney transplant. Next would be liver transplants. And in our area, someone who's waiting for a liver transplant waits for generally about a year to 18 months. And someone generally is waiting for about one year for a heart transplant, which means that the docs and nurses need to do pretty amazing things at the hospital to keep that patient healthy enough to be able to receive that transplant. But our mission, of course, is to have those waiting times be much, much more reduced and hence conversations. Um, when, a, when we're meeting with a family and if their loved one has not indicated their wishes, generally only about 50% of families are willing to make the positive decision to say, like for you, well, I'm sure Linda, we never talked about it, but I'm sure Linda would have wanted to donate because it was just the kind of person she was. All too often we hear the opposite of Linda didn't say anything, so I guess she didn't want to. And most of the time we just never get around to making those decisions. I want to underscore that, and I want to talk a little bit as we go further in the obviously the importance of this whole notion of advanced directives and how you can donate. But I have another question sure. for you. I mean, obviously what you're suggesting is that all of these types of organ transplants have been successful and that is what speaks to both the demand but also the fact that we're able to sustain life using them. Obviously, there would be no demand if they were all failures. So Literally. that's a very important Absolutely. fact as well. Absolutely. But despite that, I read a statistic that almost 15 Americans on the transplant list might die each day because of the basically the, the dearth, yeah, shortage. the shortage. shortage. So that's a very, very, and obviously if, if the organ donation increased, many of those deaths could be avoided. So it sounds like 
that is a crucially important fact for people to understand. So tell us briefly about the ways people can donate. In other, in, in other words, there are kind of three circumstances sure. under which you can donate. Sure. Just go over that quickly. Sure. So um, one is living donation, where um, someone can donate a kidney. Um, and sometimes while they're still alive, because they have two, and they can exactly. maintain life with exactly. one. Exactly. And living donation kidney transplants are performed again both at Upstate and at and at Strong, and and virtually every other kidney transplant program in the country. Um, we are the, the Finger Lakes Donor Recovery Network are primarily involved in what we call deceased donation. So after the patient has been declared brain dead in the intensive care unit. Um, you know, again, we're coordinating the process that I described earlier. Um, the other possible way for someone to donate is they may not meet the neurologic criteria for brain death, but based on the patient's condition, the determination is made that they have no chance of recovery or survival. And um, the family, based on, again, patient's wishes or what they think their wishes would be, may elect to um, to have the patient removed for the ventilator and die a natural death. And in certain times, some organs may be recovered um, under certain circumstances, such as a kidney or liver. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with Rob Kochick. He's the executive director of the Finger Lakes Donor Recovery Network. We're talking about the growing need for organ donation and the ways people can donate. So you face a lot of challenges in procuring these organs, and you've alluded to some earlier on saying that in the case where nothing has been discussed, the tendency is to lean away from this kind of thing. Um, and there's no, for example, there's no living will or there's nothing, the person never really verbalized their wishes. So, um, but there are other things as well. I mean, are there certain myths or concerns and, that people might have? For example, they may feel they're too old or there's something wrong with them. For example, they may have high blood pressure or they're obese. I mean, are there things that need, myths that need to be dispelled in terms of organ donation? Sure. Um, when we're out in the community, and hopefully your listeners have seen us at different health fairs or community events, uh, when people come up to us and ask questions, they often um, mention that they think they're too old and may be surprised to learn that you know, our liver in particular continues to regenerate itself. So that, and that when we're evaluating a patient, um, it's not necessarily our chronological age that is so important as well as, as much as what our body function is. So that for some reason I may not be able to donate my heart, but I may be able to donate my kidneys, or I may be able to donate my liver and I'm not able to donate something else. So again, we'd encourage everyone to, you know, if they're of the mind to be to give the gift of life, to enroll in the registry or tell their family and then sort of let us um, make that decision along with the transplant specialist to determine what is able or not able to be donated at the time. And, you know, you can imagine over the last, you know, even 10 years, the changes that continues to evolve in what um, is, a is acceptable continues to change. 
Um, so years ago, as a young coordinator, if I saw the words hypertension or diabetes in the medical record, that was a medical rule out. But now, often patients have a history of hypertension but are well controlled under medications. So, you know, their kidneys are still working, their liver is still working. Um, so age is a myth. The other is, oh, well, I have this. Or someone will say, well, I wear glasses, so I couldn't possibly donate my corneas. Um, someone else may say, oh, you know, I have a drink every so often, and I've really used my liver. And, you know, we think they're just, you know, teasing. So we really encourage everyone to, um, if they're willing to do so, enroll in the registry, talk to their families, and then let us make that decision at the time. Because... What may not be possible now, 10 or 15 years, ago, years from now, may very well be possible. So there's a new law, relatively new law. Actually, it was in effect for the last couple of years called Lauren's Law. What is it? Tell us about it, and how does it impact on your recovery? Sure. So um, hopefully um, all of your listeners have seen when they've been to the DMV um, to renew their license or gather a new license, get a new license, um, the section on the application or renewal form that says, I'd like to enroll in the New York State Registry or skip this question. Um, that was put into place um, in honor of a little girl named Lauren Shields who received a heart transplant a few years ago um, in New York City and her family just wanted to do something to in increase the enrollment rates in New York State. So um, last year, um, while that section has been on the form for a number of years, it became a required section that the applicant must check either, yeah, I'd like to enroll in the registry, or if they're not ready to make the decision, they can, they can skip this question. Um, the other new thing that I'm happy to report is that Governor Cuomo, just within the last month or so, signed into law legislation to offer the opportunity for 16 and 17 year olds to now enroll in the registry as well. When they enroll for their application um, for driver's permit, um, they'll be able to check the box. It'll still require parental consent until their 18th birthday, um, but we know that 16 and 17 year olds are very often willing to think about helping others and very socially conscious and it just seems like you know a wonderful opportunity for them to do so. You know, with the supply being so outpaced by the demand, allocation criteria must play a, a real role, and it must be very difficult to determine and hold on to. Just very briefly, we only have a few seconds left. Talk about that real briefly. Sure. Well, the, the importance is to um, identify the patient who can best use those organs um, that are available, and it is based on blood type, uh, body size, Sometimes it has to do with distance because while we're able to help someone in California receive a kidney transplant from someone here, we only have about four hours for the time to be between the time a heart is recovered from a donor to the time it must be transplanted. So basically, the work you're doing is of crucial importance. You can totally save lives, and people out there need to understand that they can give the gift of life, as you said, long before they die if they just join a registry and indicate that and have conversations with their families to that effect. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming in. My guest has been Rob Kochick. He's the executive director of the Finger Lakes Donor Recovery Network. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.